My name is Brandon Kimber, and you're listening to Reclamation Worship. I'm Jason Allen, host of Reclamation Worship, the podcast devoted to reclaiming a biblical view of worship for the church. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of Reclamation Worship. I had the privilege of talking with Brandon Kimber, director of American Gospel, Christ Alone. And this film has been out since October of 2018, so it's been out for a number of months. But uh, I'd been wanting to talk with Brandon after seeing this film, and I want to encourage you to first listen to this interview, and then as quickly as possible, if you've not seen it, take a look at it. It uh, will be linked in the show notes, and so there are a number of places where you can rent it or buy it, and so I want to encourage you to do that. It is life-changing. I've heard firsthand accounts of how this film has changed people's lives. So I've seen it twice, and I can vouch for its uh, effectiveness. It is very powerful. And so if you want to learn more about the Word of Faith movement, how damaging it is, how destructive it is, please, again, check out American Gospel Christ alone. Brandon is a very gracious guy. He uh, was so delightful to talk with. And so um, please do him a favor, support him and support his work and take a look at this film. All right, well, let's head on over to the interview. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast, this episode of Reclamation Worship. Thanks for having me, Jason. Good to be here. Glad to have you. And I I think... um, if memory serves correctly, you are the first multimillionaire I've had on this podcast. So it, it's quite an <laughs> honor to talk with you. False. False. <laughs> tell, tell me what happened. I, I thought I, everything on Twitter is true. Uh, some lady tweeted uh, this net worth website and apparently I'm worth $19 million and that wow. makes me a hypocrite for making a pros- or an anti-prosperity gospel film. <laughs> but so, so you are not a multimillionaire. I am not. I have okay. no idea why my name is on there. I'm pretty sure they take everyone on IMDb, the movie website, anyone's credit. And I'm kind of guessing, you know, everyone defaults at 19 million. <laughs> <laughs> That's the entry level for filmmakers. Yeah. Uh, well, Brandon, you, you have made a, um, a film that I wanted to talk talk about, uh, American Gospel, and um, it. Uh, my family and I have watched it. I've seen it twice, and uh, this is a very important film. And I hope everyone uh, who listens to this podcast, if they have not already seen American Gospel, uh, that they will go out and see. It. And by the end of this um, episode, I hope uh, we will have piqued their interest enough um, for them to to go and find it and watch it. Um, maybe even buy a couple of copies and give out to their friends and loved ones. So um, if you could, um, before we talk about the film, I, I would like to learn a little bit more about you and, and uh, have our, our folks who listen to this uh, podcast know who Brandon Kimber is. So um, maybe why don't you just share with us a little bit about your life and um, how the Lord saved you. And, and then we can talk about the film. Yeah. My name's Brandon Kimber. I've grown up in Cleveland my whole life, I'm married with four children. Um, I'm a documentary filmmaker at uh, Transition Studios. 
I've worked there almost about 10 years now. And uh, American Gospel, Christ Alone is the third documentary I've made. It's uh, just really just a passion project that I was given permission to do. Um, you know, I grew up in the church. My parents uh, were both saved before I was born. So I, I grew up um, hearing their testimonies all the time. And um, I kind of, uh, I would say I really struggled with knowing whether I was truly born again because I grew up in this Christian culture and I was kind of comparing my life to my parents' testimonies. You know, my mother was a, a drug addict, uh, alcoholic. Um, my father was an atheist, uh, experimented in Buddhism. And, uh, you know, I was, in my mind, a pretty good kid. I didn't do drugs <laughs> or anything like that. And, you know, my mother always hammered it into us. Uh, not to touch alcohol. <laughs> we had a history of alcoholism in our family. So, you know, it was, I think that combined with a shallow um, understanding of the gospel due to growing up in a word of faith, prosperity church um, that led to, uh, you know, I was self-righteous and prideful and I didn't come to realize, you know, the true gospel until I was probably in college, came across some sermons on the internet, which is a very common story. And um, I just came to understand that we serve a holy God and <laughs> that's a problem because I'm not holy mm. and I w was in desperate need of a savior and just things started to click and make sense, uh, especially the attributes of God. Like I, I would say before <laughs> I, um, you know, thought that, you know, the God of the old Testament and the God of the new Testament didn't mix very well. Like they're kind of different. Uh, I, I get that now. Mm. It makes, makes a lot of sense now, but back then very confusing. When did it click for you? Uh, when when were you watching the the videos and and really coming into your own with understanding the gospel? Uh, I would say mid two thousands, two thousand five, two thousand six is when okay. that when that about happened. Um, but you know, over time, I I started discovering you know people like. Paul Washer, R.C. Sproul, John MacArthur kind of led me down this path of discovering Reformed theology, and <laughs> I did not grow up in that at all, and um, it just really um, gave me a passion for wanting to help others out of the movement I grew up in, mm. um, and that is the prosperity gospel. <laughs> Okay. So you were given the opportunity to, to make this passion project. And, and so I guess you could have made it on LeBron James being from Cleveland uh, or uh, the Browns. That, 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 that would be a worthy project, right? The uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but 
you chose to do it on uh, the gospel. And, uh, and so I guess there was this fervor or, or passion growing over the years where, uh, where you were um, understanding the value of what the Bible reveals as the gospel. And, and so I'm guessing when, when your uh, opportunity comes along to make this passion project, you instinctively knew what you wanted to do it on. Is that, or, or, or was there some question in your mind? No, it was something about the gospel for sure. Now there are tons of different angles. You can come, come at that. And I have a lot of different ideas, <laughs> still more films I can do down the line, but you know, the, uh, word of faith, prosperity gospel, um, had uh, impact on my family and friends. So I was seeing the influence of that in my life. Mm -hmm. And at first didn't really, I kind of recognized it um, because I had left that type of church probably before I was 16. Okay. And for almost maybe 10 years, I didn't really think about it too much. Um, and then it, I started seeing people like Todd White um, become popular. And I'm like, mm. okay, this stuff reminds me of my old church. Mm. I need to look into this. Yeah. <laughs> and I slowly started to discover, oh, this, this teaching has a label. Mm. And uh, men like, uh, you know, Justin Peters, um, his, his ministry was really helpful and understanding that movement, I think. Yeah. So for my listeners who don't know what word of faith is or what the prosperity gospel is, would you mind briefly explaining it, explaining that? Yeah. Word of faith. Um, the, the theology is based on the idea that it's always God's will that you're healthy and wealthy. Um, you know, man is, uh, we have the power to speak things into existence. Uh, our, our words almost have the same power as, as God's mm. words. You know, just like he spoke the world into existence, we speak health and wealth and our dreams into existence because our words have the same creative power. Yeah. And so this whole thing is kind of based in this idea of trichotomy which is um, the, that man is made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. And that idea alone isn't heretical or anything, but what they believe is that essentially we are spirits and that spirit is the same substance as God. Mm -hmm. So it's a little, sounds a little bit like Mormonism. Um, and it's, there's this, elevation of man a deification of man and a demotion of christ mm. so another another doctrine that some of them will teach is called canonic theology which is christ emptied himself of all deity and divinity so that when he was in the incarnation um, he was just a man with the holy spirit just like we are just mm. like adam was in the garden mm. and so uh, this is this is a heresy because uh, Jesus was both fully God and fully man. He didn't empty himself of divinity. He took on 
he added it was an, an emptying by addition so he added flesh but deity didn't go away um and this this whole thing when you look at it together um it it looks exactly like you know the first temptation in the garden of eden mm. you will be like god mm. the first temptation that led to the the first sin and it's it's very sad and shocking that people can buy into that because it's clearly satanic yeah yeah i thought i'd heard heard it all um back when i was in seminary uh, i was extremely bothered by and, and concerned uh for those who were being um suckered into or, or deceived by this uh you know word of faith prosperity gospel um and and, and so i had looked into uh pretty extensively um the movement and I was aware of all the the big players and, and a lot of their theology, but I have to admit you uncovered some teaching that I had no idea existed. And so some of those things you just mentioned, um, I was just blown away by in the, in the film when, when you, um, when you showed those. Uh, so it's some pretty scary stuff that, um, that these men and women believe and, and by extension uh, end up, convincing others of um so it is could, yeah could could you talk about the the general outline of the film and then um you know we can talk about some of the the main players some of the main people that you talk about but maybe talk about um for folks who sit down and watch it what they can expect in in how the film plays out so the film begins with laying a foundation of what is the gospel what is the true gospel so the first 40 minutes you're going to hear um through this idea of moralistic preaching which is um you know a message that just says be good and doesn't tell you anything about what christ has done it's just moral commands so i kind of use that as the the lens or the framework for explaining the gospel, um, how, you know, we can't add works to the gospel. Um, and I would say that the overall premise of the film is, is Christianity or the gospel Jesus plus. Mm -hmm. So that first part is about Christ plus works mm -hmm. so i do touch on roman catholicism um but after this um i i then get into what is the prosperity gospel um which would be christ plus health and wealth and miracles and that's more like um in a sense of idolatry like you coming to jesus for something other than jesus you're coming to Jesus for something that your sinful flesh naturally desires, you know, before you've been born again, you know, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> it's, <clears throat> it's, um, you know, everybody wants to be healthy and wealthy. Mm. And so it becomes this, it's just another example of this man centered gospel, um, that, that, uh, promises a life, 
without sickness or poverty um, compared to the true gospel, which promises suffering. Mm. And so, you know, the goal is to show that this man-centered doctrine, uh, it hurts people. Mm. Bad theology hurts people. Mm. And um, it, it causes people to walk away from the faith. And so that was kind of my goal just to establish the true gospel so you could compare it to the false Mm -hmm. and recognize the false Mm. and hopefully um you know people's eyes would be open if i could provide that full picture for them right yeah you know some of these people that you um portray some of the the false teachers are household names that many people uh who attend local churches you know these these men and women are a part of their lives, a part of their, you know, devotional life. And so whether it's reading their uh, articles or watching their videos or, or you name it, um, you know, I interact with people who um, are a part of churches that are not word of faith. They're, they're not prosperity uh, churches yet. These men and women have influence on the lives of uh, of, you know, everyday, uh, average evangelical Christians. And so my question is, is it that big of a deal? Uh, your Bill Johnson's of Bethel, your, your Stephen Furtick's of, of elevation and Benny Hinn and, and the Todd white, the list goes on and on and on. Is it that big of a deal that people are influenced by them? Well, I, I think you're right in that, this uh, this movement spreads beyond just the people in those types of churches. Um, I, I saw that, like in my old church, there you know, especially through Bethel music, uh, people would go to Bethel music nights, and mm. you know, you <laughs> you start looking this stuff up on the internet because you think that there's this true. Um, move of God happening that these people are actually doing miracles and all this, and you're going to get sucked into the theology, Mm. into the lingo, um, the phrases that they use. Um, you know, I, I started hearing, uh, even in prayers after worship, they start using the the lyrics of those songs in the prayers. And, Mm. you know, it, it was maddening for me mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah it, it it is relevant you know i've had people you know this people have been fighting this for decades yeah um you know there are books out in the 80s um but i think every generation needs to be reminded because you know heresies always recycle themselves and they, they make a comeback and it needs to be addressed again in in every generation. So true. And yeah, you mentioned the music, the, the music, um, you know, it's so powerful and, uh, you know, it, it, I don't think is, um, you know, coincidence that three of the largest producers of music that the American evangelical church, uh, sings, uh, comes from 
uh, well, at least two of these uh, producers come from American churches. The third would be Hillsong, but Bethel, uh, Elevation, Hillsong um, are big players in the the music world. And so, um, and not to say that every song that comes out of those churches is uh, bad or you know even incorrect in, yeah. in its theology, but uh, it is concerning for me, to me, that people sort of check their discernment at the door when they're listening to this music and don't question where it's coming from. And so, you know, I I guess what I would hope people would ask is no matter how beautiful a certain song is, if it's incorrect, A, I need to not listen to it and sing it and and confess it as as part of my, um, you know, theological framework. More importantly, you know, if we're supporting Bethel music, uh, which is Bethel Church, you know, which is only promoting this false teaching, where does it, where, where, are, where does our responsibility come in? And, and should, should we be asking the hard question of whether or not I should be listening to this if it is propping up, promoting false teaching? Yeah, I would, I would draw the line. I, you're, you're paying royalties that are, that's fueling a movement that hurts people. Yeah. And, I, and I always say, you know, the prosperity is the prosperity gospel is not only hurting people uh, physically in the natural, um, you know, promising health and wealth where uh, the Bible doesn't make those promises. And um, it, it's, it's hurting people spiritually too. I mean, right. Physical life and eternal life are are in jeopardy. One of the people that you see again and again in the film uh, is Costi Hinn, nephew of Benny Hinn. How did you get in touch with Costi? Well, I contacted him through Justin Peters. Um, I believe Costi had been impacted by Justin's seminar and left him a voicemail. And they ended up talking and Justin did a multi-part interview with Kosti, which I listened to. And I was like, I got to get this guy because mm. <laughs> this, you know, his perspective was unique, you know, from the inside, yeah. uh, the nephew of Benny Hinn. And he had valuable insight about the lifestyle, um, just even like how people think when they're in that movement. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't pass it up and he was gracious to cooperate and participate. You also interview three people who had cancer. Well, one was cured, Matt Chandler, Nabil uh, died uh, and then Catherine is still struggling. So these three people that, that you interview are at various stages of this awful disease of cancer. And it's incredible to me. I, I don't know these people personally, um, but from everything you can tell in the film, they are faithful followers of Christ. And yet three different outcomes uh, in, their, in their battle with this disease. And that really just flies in the face of the message of this word of faith preaching and, and, and the word of faith uh, promise, I guess, is that if, if you just have enough faith, 
uh, you can be healed. What, what are your thoughts on the fact that you did interview those three people, three different outcomes, and how that message of the word of faith squares with these three different outcomes? Yeah, well, it it wasn't completely intentional. Um, Nabil, for example, was my very first interview, and that was like in 2015. You know, had no idea that he was going to get cancer and die before I finished the film. But mm-hmm. um, it it ended up working into the story. Nabil was pursuing healing and and question and asking those questions, and uh, you know, I. I took his story and Catherine and, and Chandler's and um, you know, it, I really felt that having um, real examples of people being content with Christ alone, mm-hmm. you know, not um, trusting and loving Christ, um, even if he doesn't heal you mm-hmm. or not, not needing the healing, but, but being joyful in the fact that God has used suffering to get rid of sin in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it really, you know, it makes Christ look like the, the treasure in the field. And I, I just, um, I, I really felt that those were powerful examples, um, mm-hmm. uh, human examples that needed to be shared. They were extremely powerful. One of the quotes that uh, to this day um, I cannot get out of my head was Stephen Lawson when he said something along the lines of um, God uses suffering uh, to wean us off the world. It was powerful. And yeah, yeah, your use of those uh, three folks, um, extremely powerful and uh, very moving. Yeah. You're, you, you mentioned Catherine's uh, list of illnesses and it's just, um, it's heartbreaking to see that uh, just one diagnosis after another. Uh, and yet um, rather than her faith weakening uh, her faith continues to grow um, throughout the, the film. Um, so yeah. of all those that you interviewed, who impacted you the most? Well, uh, yeah, Catherine, I would say mm. uh, Catherine Berger is uh, she has, uh, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, and that really affects like all parts of her body. So, um, I, I really felt like her story was similar to like a modern day Job. Mm. Uh, it wasn't exact, but you know, uh, she was just an example of how our spiritual healing is more important than your physical healing, Mm. how the gospel is primarily addressing our sin problem and not just the consequences of sin. I mean, those will be addressed in the age to come when we get our resurrected body. Amen. But you know, the the problem with prosperity teaching is it's your best life now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. They're trying to bring those promises to happen now. Um, and, I, you know, her her story was just the undeniable power of God manifested in her life. Uh, 
she, she, you know, pers- personally has been very encouraging to me. And I, I, I really think most people agree that her, her story was the most impactful. She's had yeah. uh, hundreds of people message her that have, that are also struggling with physical illness and, you know, have encouraged her and, and said that her story has helped them to find purpose and hope in their own suffering. So, wow. Yeah. I praise God for, for what he's doing in her life. It's Mm. amazing. Now she and her husband were not believers when she first got sick. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. And I think he even said he was an atheist or she said that he was an atheist. Yeah, he he was an atheist and she was probably more liberal. She kind of grew up in, you know, Bible Belt, uh, had some experience in church, but very shallow. Mm -hmm. Um, But she, you know, when her husband, Russell, started um, getting interested in religion, she was pretty opposed to it at first. Mm. Um, I think she kind of described herself as, um, you know, a a universalist in a way had trouble with the idea of hell, you know, like, like a Rob Bell type of guy or girl. Yeah. Right. (laughs) She, her and Russell's story was uh, extremely, extremely moving. So, um, so glad that, you're able to find them and that they uh, contributed to the film. Uh, so you have more work to do. You, you have uh, another film in, in process and uh, you want to talk about that just a little bit? Yeah. So the sequel is uh, American gospel Christ crucified. Um, originally I wanted to <laughs> include some of the aspects of this into the the first film, I didn't know I was going to make, you know, two films, but I realized I had so much content that I couldn't put it all into one. <laughs> Unless you want to, it's already two and a half hours or two hours and 20 minutes. Right. Uh, I wasn't going to make it like a four or five hour film. <laughs> um, but uh, Christ Crucified will focus more on uh, the atonement uh, kind of postmodernism and liberal or progressive Christianity and how um, you could say the first film was, is Christianity Jesus plus? Mm -hmm. And this one would kind of be Jesus minus. Mm. Like, what are we subtracting from the gospel? All Mm. the offensive stuff from penal substitution to hell, the wrath of God. um, And I think I'll probably even get into what that leaves you with. Um, If Jesus is just an example, you know, a moral example, if he didn't accomplish anything objective on the cross, um, what does that leave you with? It's just a works-based religion again. Mm. Their whole, the message ends up just being just love God and love people. Yeah. And, that's that's the summary of the law, mm. <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not the gospel. Um, that, that's 
that's changing the gospel again to be like every other religion in the world, Mm. Uh, a man-centered, works-based gospel. Right. So are we going to hear from some of the same uh, Word of Faith preachers uh, in the second film, or will will you showcase some others who uh, are false teachers? Uh, You might see Joel Osteen and Todd White again. Um, You know, there's some, some things Joel, I would say is, has made some universalistic comments and Todd White has a very uh, man centered view about the cross and God's motivation for saving man, which I think is an an important thing to discuss. But for the most part, it's going to focus more on this, these liberal kind of like your Rob Bell. Um, The other interesting thing uh, about this is I interviewed some people who I disagree with. Um, Hmm. There's a guy named Tony Jones who was kind of part of the emergent church movement. He wrote a book called Did God Kill Jesus? And he is against penal substitution. Um, And another guy named Bart Campolo, who is the son of Tony Campolo. Okay. Um, He is now a secular humanist Mm. or or atheist. He doesn't like that, that label, Mm -hmm. but um, I really thought the conversation with him was interesting because he kind of explains (laughs) the the path of heresy he went down from, you know, rejecting inerrancy of scripture, penal substitution, the idea of hell. And, you know, it just goes down and down until Mm. there's nothing left. Wow. And I thought he was a really, he's honest. um, And in a way is calling people, who practically believe the same thing as him Mm. to just abandon their theology. I mean, you guys like Rob Bell don't really believe these essential doctrines anyway, but they're Mm. still holding on to the Christian language Mm -hmm. Um, and they're deceiving people into thinking it's still okay. I'm still, I can still call myself Christian and still, you know, reject all these gospel essentials mm. and be open to all these other religions. Right. That's, I would rather them be honest like Bart and, and not be, you know, it's like if you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, clothing, just please take off the skin. Mm hmm the skin so we can see who you really are, you know? Right. So these guys, you were able to actually interact with some of them. Yeah. I interviewed them in person. Um, hopefully, you know, and I was completely honest with my views and, uh, you know, promise I'll let you review the film before Hmm. you you sign your release. Make sure I don't take you out of context. Um, so I, I pray that they will <laughs> stay in the film. They won't pull out, but I think it'll be an interesting debate like format okay. to have. Yeah. You know, 
the two opposing sides talking about, you know, their differences in the gospel. Right. And, and so just to be fair, you reached out to a number of these other guys too, and they refused to, to be a part of the, of American gospel Christ alone. Yeah. Um, you know, Todd White, uh, Joel Steen, Benny Hinn. Uh, yeah, I, I tried to be a balanced filmmaker, even though I have a perspective. Um, but yeah, I wasn't, they, they de- declined or ignored my requests. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I am thankful that you made this film. I'm really looking forward to the next one. And, um, I'm, uh, I hope you have many more films in you. I hope you continue to, to do this work. Uh, God has gifted you to, uh, to tell stories in this way. And, uh, so, uh, I hope that you continue to do this. I hope so too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, with 19 million in the bank, it shouldn't be that hard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully you'll get just continue. Right. (laughs) To me. Sorry, that's a Kenneth Copeland quote. Right. Yeah. If you want to hear that from the, from the horse's mouth, then, then watch the film and, and you'll get to, you'll get to see Mr. Copeland. So one final question for you. How would you rate the success of American Gospel? What would you consider uh, a success? You know, if if people walk away compelled to share the gospel with with other people, um, if they start to you know reexamine the teaching that they're feeding on through the internet, through their own their own church, and if they're compelled to to worship Christ for, you know, his grace that we see in the gospel, then I would say that that's a success. Great. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I've watched it twice, like I said, and I plan to watch it um, many more times. So uh, I was very encouraged by it and uh, challenged and uh, I look forward to seeing it again. So Brandon, Uh, Again, thank you so much for taking the time to come on uh, Reclamation Worship, and I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you. I I look forward to it as well. Good to be here. Well, again, that was Brandon Kimber, director of American Gospel, Christ Alone. Please visit reclamationworship.com. You will find in the show notes for this episode the links to this film. To rent it or to buy it, I want to encourage you again to see this film. It is very, very powerful. You can find us on Twitter at ReclamationHQ. We're on Instagram at Reclamation Worship. We are on Facebook at Reclamation Worship. Find us on iTunes and please subscribe, rate, and review. We are also on Spotify where you can follow us there and uh, leave a rating as well. Please uh, do that. It helps us to get noticed by other folks and uh, would love for this content to make it out there for others to hear. So please share as you can. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.